My partner isn't abandoning me, but it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When we are anxious, we start to do the very things that push our partners away, leading them to create distance and separation. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet, over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey there. Thank you for clicking play on another podcast episode here. Today is our season finale. I can't believe we are at the end of season three already. And we have reached so many milestones in the community. We are officially over 264,000 downloads. I cannot believe how many downloads we have received this season. Thank you for clicking play. Thank you for showing up here, for sending me your DMs, for leaving reviews, and for sharing this with your friends and community This is what truly makes this podcast go. Today, I am answering three of your questions that you submitted on Instagram. So let's just dive right in. So the first question came anonymously, which I know so many of you will be able to deal to identify with, and that is how to deal with the fear of abandonment when you are someone with anxious attachment. Let's first back up and say, what is anxious attachment? So when we look at our attachment styles, oftentimes we miss talking about this piece. And there are two things that make up our attachment styles. I talk about this in detail and Be Connected, helping you identify your attachment style and also learn strategies to shift into more security with your partner. So it looks like we have a model of self. How do we understand ourselves and a model of other? How do we understand others? So do I believe for the model of self that I am worthy, that I'm good enough, that I am allowed to reach out to someone in times of distress? Remember the attachment system is activated in times of distress. We are hardwired to connect. And so as babies, we cry, our caregiver picks us up and comforts us. That is our attachment bonding. So model of self can be positive or negative or the model of other. Do I believe that others are there for me? Are they safe? Will they respond to me? And so we can have negative models of other people where perhaps our caregivers were not there for us. They were not supportive, or we can have positive models of others where other people, we trust that others are there. When it comes to the anxious attachment system, this looks like having a negative model of self, which is the doubting of the sense of self, doubting our goodness, doubting our lovability, feeling insecure, fears of abandonment, and having a positive model of others. We believe that others are good, that they will be there for us. Here's the piece. At our core, we are looking for connection. We all need connection. We all need to feel a sense of belonging. 
Here is what's important to remember when it comes to anxious attachment, and that is that my partner isn't abandoning me, but it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When we are anxious, we start to do the very things that push our partners away, leading them to create distance and separation. And in that moment, then we say, see, you don't love me. You are creating space. In your relationship, I think it's really important that we explore these moments of disconnection. What does it look like between you and your partner? Do do they in fact pull away or are they pulling away in some way because they're trying to keep themselves safe? Sometimes people with an anxious attachment will pair up with someone with an avoidant attachment system. I've talked about this in several of my posts and reels, and this isn't necessarily something that doesn't work, but it becomes one of those topics where we have to label it out loud and be able to say, I'm reaching for you and you are shutting down as a way to stay safe because that's what the avoidant attachment style leads us to do is to go inwards, to keep our emotions to ourselves, to minimize our needs. So it's really important to source out with our partners where they are at when we reach for them in those moments of connection. And so the key is that if you are feeling disconnected, then we need to find a way to get back into feeling connected with them. Let's explore some really tangible things that you can do to tackle the fear of abandonment. When we tap into fear, we can think of this like our nervous system telling us that something is dangerous. That's what fear is. And I teach more about this in the masterclass inside Be Connected around polyvagal theory, around the three states that our nervous system can go into, which is being calm and connected, or the fight or flight state, or the immobilized state. And if we can view fear of abandonment as a nervous system state, we can say that our nervous system has gone offline. We're no longer working in our window of tolerance. We don't feel safe and connected. And so we want to find ways to get back into calm and connection. So when fear shows up, could you try bringing up a pleasant image of you and your loved one? It could be on your phone screen. It could be a go-to picture. It could be a picture on your desk. Focus on this moment and practice even some savoring where you can say to yourself, I remember this time. I can acknowledge that moment together. I can build a sense of appreciation that we had that moment. Or you can even try expressing gratitude in your mind. I'm grateful we had that moment together. There's some really cool research on gratitude, and that is that when we tap into gratitude from a experience of stress and overwhelm, that it actually down-regulates what's happening in our brain and activates the calming system, which is the parasympathetic nervous system. What else could we do when fear shows up? We can go and splash cold water on our face. We can take a frozen water bottle and put it on our neck. That's a great way to calm the nervous system. And I think what's important to remember is that your emotions don't last too long. They can last sometimes up to 90 seconds. But the reason why fear of abandonment stays around for so long is we spend time ruminating. So we go back into the past and think about all of these moments where maybe our partner wasn't there in the way that we needed them to be, or questioning what we said and if that was okay for our partner, or we also go into a state of worry. And worry is about the future. Those are thoughts about the future. And we build these stories for ourselves of, well, what if I'm struggling in this moment and my partner's not going to respond? or when we get together and what will happen next. And so then fear shows up and we start acting on that fear. And so the actions we sometimes take will be things like 
sending multiple text messages, or we look for the moments when our partner wasn't there, or we're pursuing our partners for that connection. If you enter into that pursuit mode, it's really good for you to have a strategy in place to help you see this. You could try building a mantra, which is something like saying, I am lovable, I am worthy, something that really resonates with you. And I encourage people to find even some kind of statement. One expression of a, of a mantra is called a statement of radical acceptance. And it's called radical acceptance because it pushes you a little bit further than what feels comfortable with you um, and that you have to say it over and over again until you buy into it. So it could be really powerful to find something of, I am worthy just the way I am, or I am enough. I am enough as I am today. You might practice some self-boundaries, and this could sound like, I'm going to send one text to my partner and ask them once this week if we're good, and making sure you hold that. Here, I am talking about strategies of self-soothing. This means that you are soothing your nervous system on your own, but what's also important to remember is that we can also feel soothed and regulated when we reach for our partners. So what could be really helpful is to have a conversation with your partner around when these moments of abandonment show up for you and what could be really helpful. I recently did this presentation and we talked about how we get into these negative interaction cycles in our relationships and that sometimes we need to do something to shift out of that cycle, which can be an act of co-regulation. One of the members attending the talk talked about how her partner will come over and give her this big hug and a squeeze and it really helps to down-regulate that anxiety and to step out of that really difficult cycle. So could it be asking your partner for a hug? Can you just give me a hug? Can you hold me for 30 seconds? Maybe a hand squeeze. Maybe there's a reassuring text. But again, tap into what self-boundary you need in that. If your partner is giving you the hug, are you letting that come into you and challenging that inner discourse that says you are not lovable? Look at the actions that your partner is doing to help challenge that fear of abandonment. Okay, lastly, I want to remind you that if you identify with anxious attachment, I want you to know that it is not your fault. Sometimes we hear this messaging where someone with avoidant attachment styles will say, I'm better, I'm on my own, I'm independent, you should just be more like me. And I want you to know that there are so many strengths that come with different attachment styles and that the key here to remember is that you likely had inconsistent caregivers and this was your survival strategy. We all need connection. So when anxiety shows up, try tapping into self-compassion, which is what would you say to your dearest friend who says, I'm afraid of losing my partner. I have this fear of abandonment showing up. You would probably say something like you are learning to love yourself or you are trying your best or this is a hard space that you go into and you are so lovable. Let's move on to Beth's question, and her question is, how to get my partner to prioritize better? Oh, I think this is such a common one because we show up in relationships as different people, as having different upbringings, as having different personality traits, of having different ways of viewing life, and those differences are not necessarily a bad thing. So I'm not going to talk about 
ways to prioritize. This could be a good Google search for strategies like list making or setting reminders or focusing on single tasking instead of multitasking. But instead, to answer this question, Beth, I'm really going to talk about the partner dynamic and how we show up in that and then also what's happening between two people. So again, I think it's important to recognize that we all show up differently. This is also really important if we're looking at neurodivergence, like if your partner has ADHD, because processing information, task switching is going to be different for our partners. So something that I like to really remind myself of is that how I view something is going to be completely different from my partner. In my own relationship, I often use the analogy like shifting gears in a stick shift car. So I tend to be in fourth gear. That is how I show up. I am going on the highway, doing all the things, driving really quickly. And my partner, he knows I say this, he's in second gear. He's cruising in the city, looking at things around. And what's really important in our dynamic, which I think many women step into, is that we tend to over-function in our relationship. Over-functioning is holding all of the things in our mind and taking over things, being the one to initiate ideas and to-do lists, whereas under-functioning is where someone is not stepping into that space. And oftentimes they go together because in your relationship, the analogy I use is like a bubble, two balloons rather, in a room. You're in a closed room and you're two balloons. And when you come together in some way, you start out as equal-sized balloons, but over time, one partner, their balloon starts to get bigger. It could be something uh, benign like saying, oh, I'm at the uh, grocery store. I'll buy my partner deodorant. I think he needs some. And so you buy the deodorant. But what you do is you start to then over-function in that way. I'm holding in my mind when my partner needs deodorant, my balloon gets bigger. As one person's balloon gets bigger, the other person's balloon has to shrink in size because you're in this closed room space. Or on the flip side is that if your partner isn't stepping into that space and their balloon is shrinking first, you start to blow up your balloon more to compensate for that rather than you having these conversations and being able to say, okay, there are these things that need to be done. I'm not going to take over them. How can we shift into that and make this work together? Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for 
over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. So remember that in our relationships, you are running the most important team. And yet, ironically, we rarely have team meetings. Go back and listen to the weekly check-in session that I had with Dr. Morgan Cutlip. We talk about how you can structure in the weekly meeting and how important it is. And if we're not doing that, which is okay, some couples don't need to do that, but remember that managing all of the tasks in life is going to be even challenging during certain times, which is seasonal times. So we think of times of transition or times of increased stress. I mean, one example is we've just entered into spring here in Ottawa, and there are all of these extra tasks that are on top of our load now, like who cuts the grass, who's trimming the hedges, who's getting out the outdoor gear. And so we've added on more load. How are we shifting and what are the priorities during this season? or increased stress. So has work become more demanding? Is there a loved one that's sick or a parent that needs something more? Often in times of stress, we don't step back and say, okay, look at what's happening right here and how are we going to shift things? We tend to be more reactive. So how could we start responding to these things? Something else that's really important as a team is, are we communicating what our deadlines are and when we expect something to be done? So it's kind of like, is this a priority? Is this urgent? Is this the alarm bells are ringing? We need to address this. Is this not a priority, but it's pretty important to get done within the next few weeks or few months? And what is not a priority? Even categorizing things in your relationship in terms of managing the household, the kids could be really important to this. 
What this ultimately comes down to is that we can't control our partners or make them want to change. But what we are responsible for and what we do have control over is being able to talk about our needs and feelings. I like to remind people at this point that if you have put something out there once or twice, it is not enough. We have to keep communicating things over time, just as you would with a team member. So remember that we are going to have the same fights in our relationships over and over again for the next 5, 10, 25 years. And is there a space of accepting that your partner prioritizes things differently than you? And then how do we start to navigate this together? In Be Connected, I have a lesson on compromise, which really helps to identify what are my needs, what are your needs, what are areas that we can shift on, and what are some of the areas of importance here that we're not willing to shift on. I'll give you an example in my own relationship around prioritizing things in relationships. We know that women in a heterosexual relationship tend to be more focused on connection. And for men, what tends to be underneath a lot of the arguments that shows up, I see this in my couples in my office, is around inadequacy and needing to know that they are enough. So in my own relationship, date nights are so important to me. I need this connection. And I think maybe I need it more than my partner identifies for himself. Um, But what's important is that I have accepted in my relationship that it's going to be my job to say to Greg, hey, Greg, I'm feeling distant. Can you plan our next date night? Or I will take that initiative to plan it. And what I have to do in this space is that I have to not go into the mental... um, spiraling down the bathtub drain is the image I tend to use of he hasn't planned a date night, which means he doesn't care about me, which means I'm not important to him, which, and then I spiral into this, you know, I'm not loved, I'm not important, which can easily escalate me up into that blame space. So it is important for us to recognize, like, what are these repeating difficulties in our relationship that we're going to keep bumping up against, and how can I tap into continuously putting my feelings and needs out there so that we can be a strong and united front? Sometimes our partners don't understand what it means to you if they're not prioritizing something. If you're looking to learn how to do this more, I have many scripts inside Be Connected so that you and your partner can be that strong team. Be Connected is my online program. You get to join whenever you want, cancel whenever you want, jump into my Q&A call so we can work through your stuck points and then search what it is that you're looking for. So if you're looking to tackle defensiveness so that you can finally share something with your partner, you go into the membership and look for defensiveness. Let's move on to this last question, which is another anonymous one. And I know so many of you will be able to relate to this. Any advice on how to navigate and cope with a situation of a mom who has a mother wound active, but still working on healing herself. I'm a mom feeling mom guilt and defeated emotionally, physically, mentally in general these days. I've realized too that low self-esteem has been a piece of my guilt. Thank you. Okay, I want to say this first to anyone listening. Go back and listen to the Mother Wound episode with Bethany Webster. It was such a great conversation. And I think we really need to take a moment to acknowledge just how big this wound is, particularly when it shows up when you are entering and in the midst of motherhood. 
it is going to show up in so many places of our life and not just with parenting. This is a time of reparenting where we are looking at ourselves and starting to acknowledge all of the things that we didn't get or that we needed and our caregivers were not able to provide to us. It's a really important time. And it will not just show up when you are parenting, but also in other moments, like with your partner or how you think about yourself. I think the person who posed this question is already making a huge step forward by connecting their low self-esteem to guilt. That if we don't believe that we are good enough or that we are worthy or lovable or that we are a good person, if we don't believe those things, then we are going to feel guilty anytime we put time and energy towards ourselves. So working on our self-esteem is a great place to start. You stated that you feel defeated emotionally, physically, and mentally. And so I go to this place of wondering what you can start to do for you to take time to recharge yourself. Now, this is one of those times where if you don't believe that you're worthy to do this, it's going to be incredibly hard to do it. And if we wait until we feel like we are enough or that we're lovable to start to do these things, it's like putting the cart before the horse. So doing these things, even though you don't feel that yet, may later result in you starting to feel that. So the mother wound will sometimes show us all of these shoulds in terms of where we spend our time. And we want to make sure we're not listening to those shoulds. The shoulds of, I should be with my kids all the time. I should be making homemade snacks. I should want to do the Lego two-hour session with the kids. And... We need to practice letting go of those shoulds, noticing when they show up and shifting instead into what would be meaningful for you. What would you do to start recharging your battery? I want to put this in the context of a stay-at-home mother or someone who may not have adequate to support them in terms of finding ways to recharge their battery. And so looking at some of the bigger things like getting out in the morning by yourself for that 20-minute walk might be too much. It might be hard to find that. So think of the transitions that you have throughout the day. There are multiple transitions. The time from nap time to getting baby out of the crib, the time from playing in the living room to getting at the door for a play date or just before a meal or after a meal. Transitions are really important or it might be from that last Zoom call for those of you who are working and then going into mom mode right away or parent mode right away. And we often discount how much these transitions from one task to another cost us. And it's like your cell phone battery. I love this analogy. You wouldn't jump on your next Zoom call without charging your phone and plugging it in. And I want you to start thinking of yourself in the same way. So if you're trying to get out the door for the play date, I want you to practice giving yourself five minutes. Maybe you're standing in the kitchen and you put your hand over your heart and you take 10 slow, deep breaths. We all have time for 10 breaths. Or if you are ending your workday going to rush to get the kids from school, maybe it's a, I'm not going to send this last email today. I will put it at the top of my to-do list in the morning, or if I have a moment to myself tonight, but instead I'm going to lay on the floor, put my feet up against the wall, or go have a glass of water. But there's got to be something in there for you to fill yourself up. 
Okay, so those are the actions that you can do, but I love looking at our own healing from other perspectives. So could you view this from a cognitive perspective, which means acknowledging some of those unhelpful thoughts that you have, and you can practice replacing those with the words of, I am enough, I am okay. So sometimes we take this one thing that we do. So let's take a should. I should be on the floor in the two-hour Lego session with my kids. I'm making it dramatic intentionally. And if I don't do that, then I am not a good mom and I define myself in all these ways. And we focus in on this. And if you think though, like a pie, you have all of these pieces of a pie of the things that you do each day that make you who you are, that make you worthy and make you a good mom or a good partner. What are all of the other things? And then when you start looking at all of the other pieces of the pie, how important was building this or having that homemade craft or making the homemade muffins or whatever this looks like, how important was that one piece for you when you can start looking at the other places? So when we tackle something from a cognitive perspective, it means what are the unhelpful thoughts I'm having and how could I start looking at something more balanced or using more helpful ways of thinking about things? And of course, we can always look at the struggle from an emotional perspective, which is our emotions come and go, and our emotions are important. Sometimes we need to ride those waves of intensity. Having a mother wound means that you likely learned to watch others in an intense way, or that you learned to minimize your own feelings and needs growing up as a way to stay okay and to feel good. Those were all adaptive and good survival strategies then. And sometimes we need to ride these big waves of emotions that come up and say, ooh, I feel guilty for letting go of these shoulds and doing me and reminding yourself that you no longer have to do the things that you did before to stay safe. You are safe today and that you can ask yourself when an emotion comes up, Grounding yourself in the moment, pushing your feet to the ground, taking a slow, deep breath and saying, is this emotion leading me to act with how I want to show up today? And if it's not, then perhaps we practice watching the emotion float by like a cloud or doing the opposite of what the emotion is telling you, right? So remember, guilt tells you to stay where you are and not to do the thing. But if that's not aligned with where you want to be, noticing guilt thanking it for showing up today because it's familiar and of course it's there and being able to say, what is it that would feel good for me today? Now here is what we tend to do. We tend to go on standby and we wait on the side for things to change. If any of the questions today resonated with you Join me in my online program, Be Connected, where I am teaching you how to shift in your communication so you can feel good and also so you and your partner can feel like a solid team where you have that parenting moment of what just happened. You can sit on the couch and debrief after it and feel like we are a team 
We're getting through this together and we've got this. In Be Connected, I give you lessons and guides and masterclasses to help you learn the skills and tools I teach my clients every single day. And if you get stuck, join me in the live Q&A call, ask your questions. We work through those stuck points or join us in the Facebook community. I'm also in there where we have a great group of women supporting each other, learning to shift into attachment security, ask for our needs, and be able to build a stronger and more connected relationship with ourselves and with our partner. Thank you for joining me for another season here on the podcast. I can't believe we have just wrapped up season three. It is you in the community, your messages, your comments, your likes, All of you showing up and reaching out is really what makes this podcast possible. And I am so grateful that you have joined me, that you have clicked play. And if anything resonated with you here today, I encourage you to share this with someone else because I know that the questions asked today are common experiences for so many people. And I can't emphasize this enough that you are not alone in the struggle that shows up for you. All right, I can't wait to see you in season four. And I want to remind you for the summertime that you are right where you need to be. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.